And welcome to a new episode of Why Inclusion, the podcast series that curates inclusive conversations for the asset management industry. Today, we are addressing two inclusive topics, which are gender and climate investing. We will find out how those approaches can be combined, why they should be, and if they can be combined for all investment vehicles. To discuss this, I am joined today by Susan Beagle, who is the co-founder of the Gender Smart Investing Summit and who also serves as Chief Executive of GenderLens consulting company Catalyst at Large. Susan, welcome to Why Inclusion. Thank you so much, Victoria. I'm so excited for our conversation. Right off the bat, I would like to ask a short question that you would answer in one word or one verb, whatever you prefer. So Susan, why inclusion? Resilience. Resilience. Okay. So can we get into that? Yeah. Why resilience? Now my question, my second question would be why resilience, but you can answer with more than one word. Thank you. It's good to have more than one word. You know, people talk about the social reasons for inclusion, um, that, you know, gender bias, racial bias, uh, really thinking about where people have been marginalized, where people have not had a fair and just footing and where equity um, is at play. Hmm. And in an investment context, um, we talk about, you know, where, who, who is really not on a level playing field in terms of um, leadership, governance, employment, access, you know, thinking about talent, thinking about um, products and services and customers and value chains. Um, from a social equity standpoint, it's what's fair, it's what's just, it's what's um, uh, what we need to write, an, an imbalance that we need to write. But from a business perspective, mm-hmm. to me, um, it is about smart business. Um, it's about access to talent, access to innovation, access to solutions that we need for the problems that we're trying to solve. Um, and where those come together is about resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, we want more resilient economies, we need more resilient, sustainable solutions. Um, and that when you have gender balance and when you have equal access and equitable access, um, then you get, you get more resilience. And right now in the context of the crises we're seeing around COVID and climate yeah. and, and racial justice, resilience has to be um, a place where all of that comes together. So I guess this answer is informed by your work and by your broad experience that spans across, I think, over 25 years uh, between sectors such as entrepreneurship, investing, and then consultancy. Um, If the listeners do not know the extent of your career, I will specify that you are known in the finance industry to research and to promote gender smart investments and initiatives. You do that with your consultancy, Catalyst at Large, which is based in the UK. And you do that with a gender lens initiative that you co-founded and that is formerly known as Gender Smart Investing. That initiative, from my understanding, connects the entire value chain of investments through events and workshops and the publication of research. Is that a fair, concise sum up, Susan? It is. I want to say a bit more about both, right? So on. Uh, on on my Catalyst at Large side, 
I get the privilege to work with some of the largest investors and asset owners and asset managers in the world to talk mm -hmm. about what this field of gender smart investing looks like, who are the actors, who are the players, how is money moving or not yet moving, um, and um, and then really work with people about the how. How, how do they get this done in their organizations, yep. internally and externally, especially externally with their portfolios, um, and whether that's investing through funds and financial intermediaries, whether that's investing in direct companies, whether it's public markets or private markets context, it's it's that view. Okay. Um, on the Gender Smart Investing Summit side, we started as a summit to gather the most intentional actors around the world from uh, investment banks, development finance, pension funds, family offices, foundations, a whole constellation yeah. of actors. But now we've evolved to, um, to really be more than a convener, but a connector, an amplifier of the work that's going on, and then also mobilizing commitments and sharing commitments um, that, uh, that these actors are making to moving capital, not only the quantum of capital that they're moving, but also how they're moving it and how they're measuring their impact. Mm-mm-mm. And so as part of gender smart investing and how you connect all those actors, you co-wrote recently a report um, that was published in February 2021, and mm -hmm. that is, is entitled Gender and Climate Investment, a Strategy for Unlocking a Sustainable Future. In this report, you put forward and in concert gender lens investing and climate focused investments. My question would be, to get into this, why try and solve a man-made problem with gender inclusivity and to an extent, gender parity? So it comes back to that conversation about resilience that we were starting to have before. That um, there is one of these, the frames um, is to think about mitigating risk. One of the things that any climate investor, any investor, all, all investment has a climate component, must mm. be thinking about is mitigating risk. So where are we, where are our blind spots? Where are we not seeing um, things when we're not paying attention to gender and inclusivity dynamics um, around, again, access to innovation, access to talent, access to leadership, good governance? Um, what is the risk when you don't have those things in place, um, when you have diversity of um, the actors at the table and, and diversity of thought and, and ways people are coming um, from their lived experience? Um, that's one. The second is where are we spotting opportunities in a better way um, when we are um, paying attention to gender? So who are those women innovators and scientists and agronomists and actors in the system, again, that we are not paying attention to when we miss? Um, you know, only 2.2% of venture capital is going to women-led companies. Yeah. Um, so less than, you know, 1% of assets are managed uh, by uh, women fund managers. Um, all the statistics that you've already been citing on other other, other editions of this program. Yeah. Um, so when we don't have women at the table as investors, we're also not seeing the opportunities that they have by their, their pipelines, their access to talent, their access to entrepreneurs um, or companies um, that you get when you have more, more women at the table and more balance at the table. And I would say women and again, a broader Jedi, we were calling justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, gender plus Jedi is something we've been talking much more about. Yeah. Um, that um, where do we tap into new markets? Um, because women uh, and people of color are, are 
uh, tapped into markets that um, traditional investors might not be tapped into. So where's the opportunity set? Where's the opportunity for more value creation uh, when you start to lay this into an existing climate investment? Mm. Um, and how do we really think about um, just, of course, amplifying then the social and environmental impact um, of everything that we do when you start to use these lenses? So why bring women and gender into a conversation around climate to get to better outcomes? Um, right. Whether that's again lower risk, lower volatility, higher you know better better opportunity, um, driving long term value mm -hmm. uh, is something that we really think um, you know and and so many people don't see this yet because in part because they're so focused on let's you know science based targets and net zero and the yeah. race to zero and and it, that's essential, but what they're not seeing necessarily is how are we going to get there in a in a long term resilient sustainable way. Um, mm -hmm. is by including half the population. Yeah. So maybe to help broaden the perspective, could we could we focus for a second on gender smart investments? Does it come down to investing for women and in women, or is there something else going on? So we have a broader view, right? It, okay. it might be about, and think about in a, in a listed company perspective, you might be looking at where is, again, governance, who's on the board, yeah. leadership, who's in the yeah. C-suite, where's management, where's the employment picture, where's the supply chain picture, where's the product service picture? I mean, women make 80% of the consumer purchasing decisions. Who is gonna be driving the purchase of green products and solutions on a consumer level? The other thing that people often don't realize is that women make a lot of the decisions on B2B, Mm. Uh, uh, decisions as well. I think that's sort of a hidden figure um, is just the high percentage of women in purchasing positions in corporates, in government. Um, and so who's making those transition decisions? Um, so that's in a public company pr perspective and a private company perspective. Um, similarly, you know, who is looking at those entrepreneurs, those innovators, those scientists, who's looking at the employment picture, who's mm. looking at supply chains, who's looking at customers, um, and you can take a climate investment, a climate smart investment and add in a gender lens to say, wow, what are we missing by not having differentiated understanding of our customer set or our mm -hmm. uh, employee base or our, again, our supply chain? What, what might we discover um, by understanding sex, using sex disaggregated data, which is, you know, a term to say, for any piece of data that we're collecting, any any set of data we're collecting, can we have um, just what came from men, what came from women, so that we can really understand the um, the differentiated needs and opportunities? Mm -hmm. uh, and um, and then I think uh, you know why bring women into the picture again? It could be that it's a male-led business. It could be uh, that you have um, the real opportunities about uh, job creation. You know, it could be um, that you have a woman-led business, but they're not necessarily gender smart or climate smart. So I think we have to have a broader perspective yeah. uh, about what these different lenses are. And again, then adding in a racial and, and ethnic diversity angle to it as well. Yeah. And, you know, who, who, who needs to be at the table? And as we're doing, we're understanding the business drivers that drive success. Um, what, you know, what keeps mm -hmm. the CEO awake at night? Um, can we add a, can we be using a gender lens to help people understand um, how we get to better success by paying attention to these dynamics? Mm -mm -mm. 
Okay. And then from a, I guess the governance perspective, I think, is just so critical. We're starting to have the data. And the, um, Bloomberg New Energy Finance came out with a report in December uh, that Sasakawa Peace Foundation um, has am been amplifying and helped support uh, that just shows that when you have more women and gender balance in governance, at least 30% women on the board, yeah. when you have more women on innovation teams um, and product design, when you have women in leadership, you get better climate outcomes, you get better uh, innovation uh, outcomes, and you get better financial outcomes. Mm -mm. Which comes back to the risk and opportunity um, that you mentioned earlier. Um, could we maybe illustrate um, those those outcomes with some of the case studies that you've um, that you've written about in that report um, that I mentioned earlier? Um, gender and climate investment, a strategy for unlocking a sustainable future. Um, that report has got about 14 case studies, which are all fascinating. Um, and I'm particularly keen to dive into a couple of them, maybe one which, um, which is about the Swiss asset manager responsibility investments. There are Swiss sustainable asset manager that have over 3.5 billion assets under management. And they are increasingly integrating gender smart investing in some of their energy funds. Is that right? So um, what have you been doing with them with Catalyst at Large? And um, yeah, can you, can you talk a bit more about that example to illustrate the benefits of including gender smart and climate investments? There, it's such a great example, and I've been uh, really fortunate to have been brought in, um, and I in turn brought in a team from a company called Sagana to work mm -hmm. with me on this, um, funded by Power Africa, which in turn was funded by USAID um, okay. in the States, so it's a whole chain. Responsibility um, has a, a fund called the Access to uh, Clean Power, AECP mm -hmm. uh, fund. Um, they invest in off-grid, they invest in their debt investor, several hundred million dollar fund, uh, off-grid, commercial and industrial and infrastructure. In emerging uh, markets? In emerging markets. Yeah. Right. So they're in Africa, they're in Asia, they're in uh, Latin America, um, South Asia and Southeast Asia. Uh, so they are um, backing companies um, that have solutions that are smart, um, you know, alternative energy, energy efficiency, uh, renewable you know, companies. Um, and um, they started looking, we started looking with them to create um, a roadmap um, and then a toolkit for their investment officers and their um, impact teams as well to work with both um, uh, assessing and doing the, um, uh, the selection, the due diligence for new companies that they would invest uh, with, um, but also in their existing portfolio. Um, and it includes understanding the data of those companies, you know, where are they today and yeah. where could they potentially get to helping those entrepreneurs understand their current picture. Um, but looking at their policies and practices, looking at their leadership, looking at their governance, looking at their um, uh, value chains um, and their products and services. Um, it's I will admit that it's easier when it's an off grid company to look at things like products and services and um, uh, customers, because um, you know who those customers are. Uh, when it's um, when it's a company that is selling to commercial and industrial, or whether it's a big infrastructure project, that's much harder. Mm -hmm. uh, but really going through a journey with them to to as a fund manager to say, how do we get gender smart? 
right? What do we need to know as a fund manager? What can we help teach our and, and work with our portfolio companies on both to get, again, better climate outcomes, better gender outcomes and better financial outcomes. Um, and they weren't sure how this would be received amongst their portfolio companies, yeah. but they were really pleasantly surprised. Um, and I think that's one of the ahas of this project, that there was so much more receptivity uh, by these entrepreneurs to learn again from the business first conversation. You know, this was not about the kind of pure social conversation. This was what keeps you awake at night as a business owner, right? Is you got to think about talent. You got to think about product market fit. You got to think about your distribution channels and your sales channels and your uh, the, that whole chain um, and wanting to, uh, you know, wanting to do better. Uh, and wanting to understand what the pathways to to change, and, and including on things like policies and, and practices. A lot of these companies don't have, you know, huge uh, resources to go get the best policy around, well, again, it could be gender-based violence, or it could be around sexual harassment, or it could be around um, positive employment, um, flexible working, maternity policy, um, you know, the things that uh, fair pay and equitable pay, the things that really matter um, mm. to people's lives. Um, and so being in a position also for a fund manager to say, and we can help you. Not only are we here to collect your data, of course, and, and use this as a um, sort of credit analysis um, conversation, but also how can we help you get better uh, to get to better outcomes? And one of the results of this is that they have some big investors, development finance institution investors mm -hmm. uh, that put capital into this, uh, to this fund um, who have uh, an initiative called the 2X Challenge which for those people who are listening don't know about this. This is a criteria that and a challenge that has come from the development finance institution community uh, to say, what does being gender smart look like? Um, and that's about ownership, leadership, employment and consumption, which is the product service lens. And as a fund manager, also to look at are as the fund manager themselves, are they meeting any of that criteria? And then they have they committed in 2018 $3 billion uh, in capital, um, either deployed by them, them, themselves as a set of DFIs or to, as well to unlock and mobilize other private capital. Mm -hmm. um, and they far surpassed that. We're, we're about to hear the final, final numbers of their three-year commitment, what they achieved. But by the end of 2019, just two years in, they had already mobilized $4.5 So, I mean, there's real money moving behind yeah. not only from the DFIs, but also their co-investors, the, you know, the banks, the family offices, the, you know, all the constellation of players that these DFIs co-invest with. Mm -hmm. So coming back to responsibility as a case study, they then became 2X qualified, 2X uh, okay. uh, challenge deal, um, which then um, has also influenced them thinking about, you know, how do they carry this through their other funds? I mean, they're, you, you know, sizable asset manager. Yeah. Um, and that example is really being shared amongst the fund management community to say, you can take yourself on a journey, build in these practices, build and have a roadmap on how you get yourself there as a fund manager um, and really get to, to some good outcomes. It's early days. This is, it has been less than a year that they've been at this, but they're, mm -hmm. they're really excited about it. And we're excited about it to see that in the community. And so, and I guess this case study, as well as the other certain case studies, um, a promote um, a collaboration that is uh, successful and that is like set in motion to make progress in this industry. 
Um, and you've mentioned that the, the reception of those projects were, were, was positive, but how do other investors respond to those initiatives? Is it, is it, do you think that empowering women um, to solve climate change um, is sort of, um, is welcomed uh, as, as positively as it is for those 14 case studies or, you know? No, I think it's early days. I think we have, you could start to look at the market as the people who get it, who just really have moved from the why to the how. Yeah. Um, and they're executing, right? They're really implementing. You've got the people who get it, but they don't know how. And so they're still early, um, but, they're, but there's, there's appetite there. You get the people who don't even know this is a thing. Okay. They don't even know that you can bring climate and gender together to get to better financial outcomes. Um, and and social and environmental outcomes. And so we, we have a huge awareness gap here. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, the people who just don't believe that we have, you know, that, that, that this makes sense. You know, I, I need to really focus and, you know, I have enough to pay attention to to get to net zero and um, don't bother me with it with any other factors. Right. Um, yeah. And, and you know, that can happen over there in a different silo. Um, and so we still have a huge amount of work to do to help people understand what this opportunity set looks like. Mm -hmm. Again, think about this both from a risk mitigation standpoint and an opportunity kind of for value creation standpoint. So, and, and even amongst a portfolio, um, you know, that a fund manager might be working with, you know, you're going to have the, the entrepreneurs who get it and they're receptive and they're interested and they're engaged. And you're going to have people who say, you know, this is, this is not part of my world and I'm not ready to go there. Yeah. And I think as a fund manager, as a debt fund manager, as a, as a debt fund, you only have so much influence, right? Um, as an equity uh, fund, you have a lot more influence because you're, you've got ownership. You might've a seat on the board. You're, you're engaging with them in a whole different way. And so I think we recognize that different fund managers can have really different impact. Yeah. Um, I think some of the examples we've heard have been, now they're, they're really engaging with co-investors into those deals. So as a fund manager, you're often co-investing with, with a, a set of other actors. And they're finding receptivity amongst, you know, one or multiple other co-investors, some of whom are the equity providers, who right. then are also saying, hey, we want to go on this journey. And by the way, we might even have support from a technical assistance or business development support, you know, a business support standpoint. Um, and then also really sharing how you're looking at metrics and measurement. Uh, so I think that's part of the, the opportunity here is to look at not only you as an investor, but who are the co-investors around you? And then the, those co-investors may need to also go on a journey to really learn what this is about. Yeah. Do you think that it might not cater to some investors? It might not cater to some investors in the sense that some are not interested or some, or some are more interested. Not aware. Yeah. It's not their, it's not their thing. As in, uh, is there, I don't know, insti between institutional investors or maybe more, more of the, on the private side, um, I, I wonder if there's like a, a group of investors that just will not deal with that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think there are people who still think uh, that uh, diversity, they do not get yet that diversity is key to unlocking yeah. some of these solutions. They're just not there. And that could be from unconscious bias. Hmm. That could be from what their incentive systems are. Uh, that could be, you know, so so the really leading edge actors. I was just on a call with Schneider Electric. I, I got to do a session that I'm so inspired by this recent sustainable, sustainability linked bond that they did. You know, 140,000 person company, you know, more than $26 billion uh, 
company valuation, they are so committed on these different themes on climate impact on gender and diversity impact. Mm. Um, they get they get it right. Uh, but there, you know, for every Schneider Electric, you've got you know a hundred that who who just would say no. You know, this is don't talk to me about this. I really need to focus on uh, you know what I see as the key as the key business. Yeah. So we have a, we have quite a lot of work to do. Okay. And do you think that there, there might be more favorable markets um, to welcome those initiatives between the public and private sides, for instance? Well, for, from a public sector uh, investor standpoint, yeah. you've got a feminist foreign policy agenda coming in to the, um, you know, Canada, the US, the UK, uh, the Dutch, um, you know, this is starting to really spread. Yeah. Um, and when you have that, then when they are looking at their development finance dollars, when they're thinking about their um, even their pension funds, so they're thinking about their, um, you know, their their capital that they influence, they have often a climate agenda on one side and a gender and diversity agenda on the other side. They haven't necessarily brought them together, but it's there right in their intent. And so in some ways, it's a sort of that's the open door. And especially, okay. again, COVID context, all this public sector finance that's going to be coming out, it's already coming out of stimulus money, um, could be informed from a climate and gender standpoint, right? Um, but on the other hand, governments are often very slow moving, slow to change, um, a lot of bureaucracy, uh, you know, so that's on the positive side, there's the desire um, to also be accountable to all stakeholders and then, but not necessarily the execution capability. Um, on the private side, you can be a lot more nimble, right? Family offices, foundations, private high net worth individuals can be a lot more nimble and can just make a decision. I'm going there, I'm gonna do this. Like I have in my own portfolio, yeah. I've been investing from a climate and gender standpoint for 20 years since I sold my my company. Um, but I, uh, But then on that side, they often don't have the advisors uh, and the infrastructure and the advisory community that really understand what these opportunities are and have the product on their platforms. Mm -mm. Um, and so, you know, which is going to be faster path? We need both. Um, both of them have their barriers. Uh, and so, and then in terms of developed markets versus developing markets, we have a lot of developed developing markets, emerging economies examples in the report. There are just as many exciting things happening from a developed market standpoint. We just, um, you know, are surfacing more and more of them, whether that is um, Charger Help in Los Angeles, which is a, a great example of an African-American woman owned business creating employment in low income communities and especially for women um, around um, fixing chargers for electric vehicles. Um, and providing that infrastructure, um, the service infrastructure around that, um, you know. What's the name again? They're called Charger Help. Okay. Uh, and, um, you know, or Luwat here in the UK that is providing yep. waterless toilets uh, and um, both in the UK and, and Europe in uh, context for, you know, uh, waterless um, energy uh, smart because you've got portable toilets um, no chemicals, waterless, and uh, generating energy, tying to a biodigester, mm -hmm. uh, you can charge your cell phone. So you can go to one of these, you know, essentially port a and um, uh, have a clean, green experience. It's generating energy, right? So people like Thames Water have gotten behind that. Um, so this is like so much incredible innovation. Woman-led company, um, uh, you know, PhD in mechanical engineering. She's uh, she's a Virginia uh Gardner, she's just a rock star. 
And so you just have this innovation happening everybody, we, everywhere. We need to help help people see yeah. what these innovations look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess to help people see um, gender lens investing is um, is crucial, but gender lens investing as a concept also conveys the characteristics of glass-made lens, correct? Which would be transparent and which would help see objects clearer. But how is data um, about gender and climate transparent today? Is it transparent or is it still translucid? We have, we have a lot of challenges around the data, partly mm. because, it, look, in the climate side, we've already got, we've got a lot of climate you know, challenges around the data. Mm. And they, we've been at that for 15, 20 years already. Um, but we, we have had, you know, billions of dollars of infrastructure going into creating a data infrastructure and architecture and, you know, ratings agencies and, you know, the whole investment ecosystem around data in, in that side. On the gender side, we have gender data, but we don't have anybody who has been pulling together gender and climate data. So yeah. we have, you know, and what good looks like. So you can say, okay, if I'm trying to look at carbon, if I'm looking at greenhouse gases, if I'm looking at, you know, plastics reduced or, you know, all, all the metrics that somebody might be looking on the climate side, um, on the gender side, we're, again, we're wanting to look at quality jobs. We want to look at pay equity. We want to look at, um, uh, you know, where women in supply chains, we want to look at where women led companies getting access to finance, you know, all of those things. Um, and getting sex disaggregated data from even like loans coming out of a bank. Yeah, um, is harder than you think. And in some cases, it's illegal, right? In France and Germany, you can't even collect and use that data. Um, so we have to affect, we have to really um, address the regulatory barriers that mm -hmm. are there about collecting and using data intelligently. And I, th and I think some of these regulations were put in place to protect people um, originally, but now they've, that, that sort of has, um, you know, it's past its due date <laughs> um, in terms of being useful, right? Now what we need is we need more data about um, you know gender as well as racial um, and ethnic diversity, so that we're in a position to say where are the imbalances and where also, if um, if I'm a bank and I don't understand the differentiated needs between women entrepreneurs and male entrepreneurs that I'm lending to, I'm missing out on understanding my market um, and the and product where product market fit could be. And so when you think about green financing coming through the banks. If they don't understand again their own sex disaggregated data, um, then we have a problem. So we have a we have a data collection challenge that we need to to um, address, um, and there are groups of people who are very motivated around that. But that also needs um, funding itself um, and collective action. Yeah, what, and this is where you come um, into play with Gender Smart and uh, also Catalyst at Large, right? Because you consult with investors and help them move in this space correct yeah and and we're tracking what what funds what finance flows but you know who are the actors who are making these investments what what can people invest in but yeah. also there's a whole movement around understanding what, out of all the things you could do around gender for example or gender and diversity in a company what actually matters what matters from a improving women's lives and by the way everybody's life standpoint because when you pay attention to um, the needs of one population and you and you really design for that turns out that that turns out to be better for everybody we've yep. seen that, by the way in the in the disability space when you design you know spaces that work for um, people who have um, different abilities yes. it turns out that those those spaces turn out to work better for everybody um, so when you are uh, when you're really looking at um, this differentiated factors 
um, you can just, um, you know, really make it a, a, so much more effective for everyone. Mm -mm. And um, how about next steps? Um, what does your gender smart community and consultancy um, have in the works? Is there anything you can share? Yeah. So two or three things. Um, one is we really do need to work on um, all of the different actors in the in the investment ecosystem. Um, what does this look like for pension funds? How do they open up their aperture to see what um, these opportunities look like and, and put it in their investment policy statements and put it into educate their own investment officers around that. Multiply that times the DFIs, the um, the family offices, the foundations, the the banks, each kind of actor, what uh, helping them understand where this opportunity really um, sits and what they can do about it. Um, so just in, increasing awareness, increasing um, the knowledge sharing around what's working, and then increasing people's awareness about the funds that are out there. I'm I'm tracking over 225 venture capital, private equity, and private debt funds with a gender right. lens. And a significant proportion of them now also have a climate lens. Um, and so helping make that visible to people. So they sort of they say, I'm interested, but there's nothing to invest in. Well, that's just uh, there's I, I could tell you, I could spend an hour telling you about these incredible set of funds that are out there and new ones launching all the time. So we need to increase awareness, exposure. We need to increase commitment. Hmm. Um, and so we're working hard to get people to say, I'm going to commit capital this way, but I'm also going to commit my uh, my team. Uh, to really going on this journey and getting gender smart for our own yeah. team, as well as how we work with our portfolio companies. So um, is that through so, reports and or, or summits? How are you going to share this information? Yeah. So we're doing quite a lot of online programming, as you could imagine. We have a working group, which is a gender and climate uh, investing working group. Okay. We're working also very closely with the um, 2X Collaborative. This is a group of DFIs, development finance institutions, who have a climate and gender task force. Um, so convening connecting people, uh, making visible this, this report and the, and the follow-on that we're doing with more um, examples, more tools and resources um, of how people can do this, um, working together um, in the context of the COP. Uh, so whether the COP happens in November, whether the COP uh, gets pushed, um, we've just come out of, I've just come out of a meeting three hours this morning of um, our working group talking about how we're mobilizing to really influence the finance community Okay. Um, and influence commitments um, at the COP. Um, and whether that is, I mean, we literally have people from Indonesia um, to uh, to all over Europe to, I mean, basically across every country saying this is what we're doing. Quite a lot of commitment from the UK government around this agenda. So mobilizing for the COP. And then there's another piece of this, which is also helping people see um, something they don't think about as much. What does a just transition look like in this work? So in a climate and gender context, you can have green and gender coming together um, in, uh, in so many ways. But if you want to add in a just transition lens, helping people see where are we making sure that the voice of um, lived experience is really represented at the investment table? Where can we think about the design, the governance and the ownership of the investment vehicles and the companies and the, um, and the projects? Um, are really um, have a different level of participation from women and people of color, um, and especially those who are in a more marginalized position. Um, so really thinking about a just transition frame as part of this overall gender and climate frame is absolutely essential. And again, because it's what's right, but also because it's what's smart. 
Yeah. We are not going to get to net zero. We are not going to get to the targets that we need to. We got, we got, we got to deploy $23 trillion of climate finance to get to the Paris Agreement. All of that could have a gender and diversity lens, and we would have more sustainable solutions. We would have more innovation. We would have more uh, uh, really resilient, coming back to that um, yes. beginning of our conversation, solutions if we pay attention to this right now. Mm-hmm. And now, so if the fund managers, fund analysts, fund selectors who are listening in would like to find out more about what you do um, or read about those frameworks and everything that you do to help uh, with gender lens investing and climate investments, where should they go? They should go to gendersmartinvesting.com. Right. Uh, They can see all about the work. There's an incredible blog series that we've been creating um, from very different voices in our investment community. Um, They can see the resources, they can see this report, um, and they can plug in. So that's one really good place to go. And then they'll also see, we've, we've really been mapping the ecosystem of actors around the world who are, who are moving this agenda forward. Uh, and I think it's really valuable for people to just think of that map of where they sit in the investment system and who they could be partnering with and who they could be learning from and learning with um, and investing with uh, to just to just do this. And, you know, so somebody said to me, like, where should I start? Yeah. I would say, um, first of all, do a little bit of reading, understand where, where the state of the field is, but then just get started. Do not have analysis paralysis. Don't wait until you figured it all out. Just start, just get started and dive in and start making uh, making the changes that you need both to your own internal team, but also with your portfolio, uh, because this is the biggest opportunity of our time. Thank you. On that note, uh, thank you so much for joining today, Susan, and for taking the time to share your insights on the topics of gender lens investing and climate-focused investments as well. Thank you. Thank you. Dear listeners, thank you for listening in. If you want to listen to more Why Inclusion podcast episodes, you may check them out on Spotify. Bye for now.